Have you ever had a time in your life where you felt overwhelmed? Some of you are thinking, well, what do you mean a time right now? I feel overwhelmed with life. Have you ever had a time in your life where you're treading water, you're keeping your head above water, but you're not sure how much longer you can do that? Sure, if you're human, unless you were born on Venus or Mars and haven't been a part of Earth, you know what I'm talking about automatically. I don't even have to build up that, even talk about what it means to feel overwhelmed in life, because that's, that's part of life. It happens, right? I'm not the only one. Are you all out there? You've had those moments where you too have felt overwhelmed. Well, here's the good news is that in Christ, we have a basis to respond well to those moments when we feel overwhelmed. And we've even got an example in Psalm 31 that I want you and I to consider this morning. David, too, had moments in his life where he felt overwhelmed by circumstances, by life where he too was treading water and didn't know how much longer he could do that, where he too didn't know what was going to happen next. He felt overwhelmed. But in the midst of this example, I want you and I to consider beginning with verse 21. He gives us an example of two ways that you and I can choose to live because of who Christ is in us, because of who Christ is. You see, we can choose, as he exemplifies, to live with your eyes wide open in the midst of feeling overwhelmed. And we'll talk about what that means and why that is important, because that sets up the next thing. The reason you need to live with your, and I need to live with my eyes wide open when it comes to feeling overwhelmed, is it sets it up for you to live with your faith fully engaged. You see, these two things are connected together in two important steps that are sequential with one another. And I want you to see how David describes this choice of living in the midst of feeling overwhelmed. In verse 21, you'll see it on the screen. He says, Praise be to the Lord, for He showed me the wonders of His love. Now look at it. When? Here's the context. When I was in a city under siege. He is feeling overwhelmed. He is surrounded. And then he says in verse 22, in my alarm, I said, I am cut off. He's self-talking. He's talking to himself. He's his thoughts. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. That is the sight of God. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Then he says, love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud, he pays back in full. Then he wraps up with these words, be strong and take heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. Now look at the first part of what he describes here. And I want you to notice where David starts. He starts with the posture of worship. He starts with who God is in the midst of his circumstance. 
and his feeling overwhelmed by those circumstances. And he says, praise be to the Lord. And you see that, that phrase, I want to pause there just for a second. The words praise be, the root of that word means to kneel. And it refers to blessing or adoring God, acknowledging who God is in the midst of this circumstance that's causing him to just feel surrounded and overwhelmed. It also infers that he is acknowledging his need for God in the midst of feeling overwhelmed and the circumstance he finds himself in. But it goes much deeper than that. And this is where I really want to pause and set it up because the, the, the language of our translation of Scripture is much deeper than what it might look like on the surface. Let me show you what I mean. You see, in the midst of his feeling overwhelmed, David is fully acknowledging the reality around him, but he's also, as we're going to see, is it going to, going to acknowledge the reality within him. And he starts with God. He doesn't start with circumstances. He starts with the God in the circumstances with him. And he says, praise be to the Lord. Now look at this. He says, for he did in the midst of this circumstance, he showed me the wonders of his love. Now pause on that just for a moment and let's look at what David is saying in the language of the Old Testament in particular. He's first of all talking about God's purposeful effort right smack in the middle of this sense of being overwhelmed. And when he says, he, God showed me in the middle of this, not outside of it, but in the middle of this, he showed me, that word showed me means that God revealed something to David on a personal basis. It means that when David chose to live out in a posture of worship, when David chose in the midst of this circumstance that caused him to feel surrounded, he chose to acknowledge his, his need for God and that God had not left him. He chose to look at it through God's eyes. That's when God was able to show him something. And the word goes further. It even emphasizes the fact that David understood something from God that was difficult for David to comprehend on his own, but was astounding when he did. God wanted to show something to David right in the middle of all this. What did he want to show him? What did it say? Look at the verse. It says, he showed him the wonders of what? The wonders of his love. Now, pause on that one, too, because the two things are connected in the Old Testament language, and specifically this word love here, referring to God's love for you in the middle of all your mess, means His loving kindness, His grace, and His devotion. And it goes deeper than that because it emphasizes three things, interconnected implications about who God can be right in the midst of feeling overwhelmed. It, number one, it has an implication of God's strength that is made available to you. Now let's pause, keep it in the context. Go back to the beginning. Verse 21, it says, what? What did David do first before he could experience the strength of God in the midst of feeling overwhelmed? Posture of worship. You see, God can't give you what you're not willing to receive. And David was saying, I need you. I acknowledge my need for you. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm not going to forget who you are, even though I don't like feeling. Anybody love feeling overwhelmed? I, I, I hate it too. 
I like to be in control. I've confessed that to you a million times. I like to have my ducks in a row, and I like to know what's coming next and all that. And when you feel overwhelmed, you don't feel like you're in control, do you? Hello, are you there? No, you don't. And so David had to acknowledge that fact and what the reality was around him. And in so doing, seeing his need for God. And when he was willing to do that, the wonders of his love implies here in the language that God gave him a strength David would not have otherwise. He gave him God's strength. It also has a second implication to it. It means that God's steadfastness was made clear to David. In other words, David experienced the personal, astounding reality right in the middle of feeling overwhelmed that he's under siege. He, he is experiencing the fact that God has never left him. That this God who says, I love you, really means it. That this God who said and promised in his word, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, doesn't do that. He doesn't leave you. He, he experiences it on a personal level. And so he experiences God's strength. He experiences God's steadfastness. And only he experiences God's love on a personal basis. In what context? Well, let's go back to the verse and look at it closely. Look at what he says. David does not deny the reality around him. He looks at full face. He looks at it clearly with a pair of clear eyes and a clear heart. What does he say? Verse 21, praise be to the Lord. Why? For he showed me the wonders of his love. When? Did you see it? When I was in a city under siege. He is getting hit from all the sides. He's getting strangled. He's in a circumstance that is causing him to feel overwhelmed. How do I know that? Let's look at the second part. Look at verse 22. Look at the very next thing because David was not only honest about acknowledging the reality around him, he was honest about what it caused within him. What did it cause within him? He tells you right there. Look at it close. Verse 22. He said, and he, this is self-talk. This is David talking to himself, his own heart and mind. He's saying, in my alarm. Notice he didn't say in my joy, right? Come on, are y'all there? He said, he's being honest. He says, in my alarm, this makes me feel alarmed. What is going on in life makes me feel anxious and alarmed. He says, in my alarm, I said, I said to myself as the inference there, I said, I am cut off from your sight. So he's acknowledging not only the reality around him, but he's acknowledging the reality within him. You see, you can't, listen, you can't begin, and I cannot begin to practice genuine faith until I acknowledge the reality around me and the reality within me. It is not spiritual, nor is it wise to stick your head in the sand when things are hard. In fact, you know what it says when I do that, when I run away from reality instead of facing it in Christ? It says I don't trust Christ to help me with the reality. When I stick my head in the sand, it says I don't trust who Christ is in my life. So you can't practice the faith part until you and I get the reality part then first. Until we live with our eyes wide open in regard to our circumstances and what's going on inside me because of my circumstances, what it triggers within me, I can't begin to live full-on faith in Christ. 
And so David does that. He says, in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. This is how I feel. He knows it's not true, but this is how he feels because of his circumstance. So two things I want you and I to consider before we dive into the second part of this passage. Acknowledge the reality around you means to acknowledge God's presence in that reality. Sometimes how you feel and what is the truth are two different things, right? If you live, you, we've talked about this before, if you're going to continue and I'm going to continue to live or choose to live based on how I feel, friend, you're going to go all, down all kinds of rat holes. You're going to go off all kinds of cliffs. You're going to hit all kinds of walls in life because how you feel does not mean that it's true. How you feel is okay. You ought to be honest about it, but let God help you deal with it. Live by what is true. So David was choosing to acknowledge God in the midst of his feeling overwhelmed. He was not choosing to allow his feelings to lead the way. He acknowledges on, on what the, that life was closing in on him. He was being honest about that because he knew that his God was more than enough. So he said, I'm alarmed, which means to be terrified, by the way. And, and he said that, that, that I don't know what's, how this is going to work out. But in the end, he made two, two important choices. Number one, be aware of the reality around you. Number two, be aware of the reality within you. That's when we're ready for the rest. Let's look at the rest of the story. That's when you're ready to really deal with being overwhelmed in life. How do I know that? Look at what he says. The most powerful word in this whole passage is right there. It's the, this is the NIV translation. Hopefully it's the same in most. He says what? Yet. Did you see it? Credibly powerful three-letter word, three letter word. He says, I'm alarmed. I feel like I'm cut off from God. Yet. I love that. He says, yet. Yet you heard my cry for mercy. I love what one author said about this word yet when he wrote these words about it. He said, yet is such a powerful little word which reveals that human perceptions are often mistaken and that David's feeling of defeat is not yet the final word. When all seemed lost and beyond the redemptive power of Yahweh, that is God, Yahweh heard the cry for help. And so David said, yet you heard my cry for mercy. Now that phrase, cry for mercy, the root word of it means to be free. David is praying that God, in the midst of feeling overwhelmed, that God would come and that he would free him to live despite the circumstances around him. That he would not allow the, the sense of feeling overwhelmed to dictate his choices in life. Do we have a choice when it comes to circumstances being stressful to live by fear? Or faith, do we have a choice? Come on, hello. Yes, you do if you know Christ. Now, if you don't, you don't have that choice. But if you know Christ, you can experience the fear, but you don't have to give it control. That's the great news. 
And that's what David, in essence, is saying here. He says, I'm alarmed. I'm feeling it. It is alarming. I'm terrified. I don't, what's gonna, don't know what's going to happen next yet. Yet I know that this God who loves me, that I've experienced in the midst of this turmoil, heard my cry for mercy, freedom from the circumstance. And then he says, and when I called for help, yet I knew you were hearing me when I cried for mercy and I called for help. The word called for help refers to an earnest prayer that recognizes your need for God once again. So first of all, what does it mean to engage your faith and my faith fully when it comes to feeling overwhelmed? First of all, stop and pause and dig through the feelings and the emotions and don't forget or recognize who God really is. Recognize that the same Christ that was with you in the past is the same Christ with you right now. The same Jesus that helped you through the crisis in the past will help you through it right now. Recognize the truth about Christ. Go back to his word and remember who Christ is and claims to be. Because until you recognize him, you cannot respond to him. Until you see him in the middle of your circumstances, you and I cannot follow where he leads. Now, David left the best for last, so wake up from your nap. Look at this. Look at what he said in verses 23 and 24. He says, our faith then, our faith response in the midst of feeling overwhelmed is a threefold thing. Look what he says. First of all, he calls upon the people of God, God's people himself as well, to love the Lord, all his faithful people. What did Jesus say was one of the most important things in life? Y'all know what I'm saying. Some of you are quoting it. Love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then he says, love your neighbors yourself. But that's a whole nother message. But he starts out with who God is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You see, when he talked about love before, he was talking about how God feels who God is to us, God's love. But this word love is referring to our genuine affection for God. Your love for God and my love for God, if I have a genuine relationship with Christ that is going to allow me to overcome this sense of feeling overwhelmed of life when it is caving in on me, it's going to be a love that has passion to it. It's going to be a love that's not just simply an intellectual set of facts about Jesus. It's going to be a love that inspires me. Am I making sense? That's what it's talking about. When he says, love God, you faithful people, that's the kind of love he's talking about. It's, it's a love that inspires you. It's a genuine affection for Christ and who he is in your life. So he says, first of all, respond with love. Choose to be inspired by who Christ is in your life. Number two, he says, respond with trust. He then says, the Lord preserves those who are what? True to him who are consistent with him. And what that is referring to, the trust, means a trust that inspires you to follow where he leads. You've heard, we've talked about this through the book of Micah and many other times. There's a big difference. Listen, please hear me. If you've not heard this before, I hope you will engage this and really consider it. There is a huge difference between understanding who Jesus is and knowing him. There's a huge difference in, in, in saying, I understand the fact 
facts about Jesus. I understand what the gospel says about Jesus. There's a difference between just simply knowing information about Jesus and following where he leads. And what this is talking about is in the midst of feeling overwhelmed, not only respond in love, remember the inspiration for your life is Christ. Respond with trust. Take it one day, one step at a time, and take that next step of faith. Follow where he leads. That's faith. It's not about what I know. It's about what I... Y'all finish it. Come on, y'all know it. It's what I do with what I know. It is what I'm going to choose to do next because of who Christ is in my life. And the context is David being surrounded and under siege and feeling overwhelmed. Here's the final response he refers to. Then David says, respond with courage. How do I do that? By starting with this. Understanding my inspiration for life is Jesus taking it one step at a time and trusting him, then I have a basis and foundation for courage. Look at what he wraps up with. He says, be strong and take heart, all of you. Now he's talking about specifically who hope, whose hope is in the Lord. Now those two words, first of all, to, the, the, the phrase to be strong, as, as David says it here, it refers to being alert. It, it, it refers to, to watching around you and, and, and facing whatever life throws at you because of who Christ is in your life. Because you've got the foundation and you can take it one day at a time and trust Him. So be strong means to essentially be alert and step into life, not run away from life. Don't put your head in the sand, but look at it fully in faith in Christ, knowing that He will bring good out of it. And then secondly, take heart refers to seizing and conquering. How are you going to seize and conquer life when you're overwhelmed? Jesus is enough. Trusting him and taking those next steps of faith. So these three things are connected. I cannot, pra listen, if I skip these two and go right here, that's not courage, that's stupidity. Why? Because I'm doing courage in my strength. And what David is telling us is do it in God's strength. Start with your love for him. Let him be your inspiration. Respond one day at a time with your, faith of, your steps of faith, and he is going to give you the strength to be courageous. I love the story in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 in particular. You can look at that whole story on your own. You're probably familiar with it. The people of God led by Moses had been, been freed from Egypt. God had provided them one thing after another. And, and what, talk about feeling overwhelmed. And God just kept providing and providing and providing. But yet they, kept, they, they just refused to trust. And they spent, what, 40 years wandering around aimlessly in the desert. Well, there finally came that point where they, they, they decided to trust God and cross over the Jordan River. You remember the story? And go into the promised land. And Moses said to them, it's going to be a cakewalk if you'll just do that, right? No, that's not what he said. In case you go back and look, don't let me rewrite the Bible. He warned them there's giants in the land. You remember the story? He said, there's going to be challenges to going into the promised land that I, I'm going to give you, but, but I'm going to be with you every step of the way. He, he says, it will not be easy, but it will be worth it. And so Moses says these words, you'll see them on the screen. He says these words to his people as they're about to cross over into the promised land. He said what? Be strong and courageous 
And then he tells, you, tells them why they can be those two things. Do not be afraid or terrified. Don't give fear control because of them, because of the giants in the land, because of the things you're going to face. For the Lord, here's why you can do this. For the Lord, your God goes with you. He will never what? Leave you nor forsake you. Now, how are they going to know if God will never leave them or forsake them? By standing on the Jordan River, the edge of it, and contemplating that fact? How are they going to know that God will never leave them nor forsake them by having a committee meeting and discussing it on the other side of the Jordan? Y'all know where I'm going, right? You got to put your foot in the water and go across. You got to take your next step of faith. And that's what Moses was trying to tell them. You will experience this. This is what David just got through telling us in Psalm 31. You will experience the fact that Christ is more than enough if you will choose, first of all, to face your reality. Don't deny the reality around you or within you. Live with your eyes wide open, but also choose to live with your faith fully engaged. That's how we can deal with those times of being and feeling overwhelmed. Now, let me illustrate it. I'll wrap it up with this. I'm going to call this my rope of hope. I just made that up. So let's imagine that this is your life. I've used something similar to this a number of years ago. So this white part of the rope forward represents your future. The red is your life here and now. So this is your present. This is where you are right now. And there's the future, if I can get it to cooperate. Right out there. So as you look from the red point of the rope of hope, you may notice along the way that there is some, these little black marks along the way. This is your past. So there's one. Here's another one. Maybe in your life there's even more. And these little black marks on the, the, your lifeline, so to speak, this rope of hope, these little black marks along the way represent different times where you have experienced being and feeling overwhelmed. You ever felt overwhelmed in the past? Do you remember? I don't mean to cause nightmares, but nonetheless, right? Maybe you're that right now, like I said a while ago. You know, something that, that I told you that helps me incredibly when I'm in that place of feeling overwhelmed, you know what helps sometimes? Is to look back and remember, oh yeah, he got me through that when I didn't think it was going to happen. Oh yeah, that one too. And just go on down the line of your life if you know Christ and remember the same Christ that got you through that is guess what? Is the same Christ who's going to lead you into the future. Is the same Christ that can help you right here and now. No matter how overwhelmed you feel, the same Christ that took you this far is the same Christ that's going to go with you into the future. The question is, are you going to trust Him? Are you and I going to choose to live with our eyes wide open? Acknowledge the reality around you and the reality within you? In order that you can begin to engage fully your faith, live with your faith fully engaged. You see, we can respond to being overwhelmed in a lot of different ways, can we not? And they're not pretty. 
and they're not good. But if we'll choose the example of David, I believe you'll see and experience a very real difference when you feel overwhelmed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the power of just example that we get from David. The fact that life was overwhelming then, thousands of years ago, and it certainly can be that way today in our own lives. But Father, the same God that was with David, that brought him through those moments in his life, is the same Christ with us today. Father, forgive me when I forget that fact. Forgive me when I allow how I feel to begin to dictate my choices. Help us, Father, to see that you are more than enough. Father, help us when we are in the midst of life that is just cascading on us and we don't feel in control and we feel overwhelmed. Father, help us to stop and pause and remember. Remember who you are and who you want to be in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.